Welcome to Faith Fondue, a podcast featuring author and speaker Haley DiMaria and teacher and blogger Ann Strickers. Faith Fondue will feature a melting pot of topics ignited by a flame, our faith, and guided by the Holy Spirit. It is the week of September 26th, the 26th week in Ordinary Time. The Irish are 4-0 after a thrilling win in Chicago, and the Giants are still the number one team in the National League, and my Orioles are still the last team in the American League. Good morning, Anne. How are you? I'm good, Haley. You can't end on that little note for our <laughs> intro. <laughs> the uh, maybe irrepressible Orioles, or I don't know. Um, but yes, today we'll talk a little bit about um, the Notre Dame game that you were at yesterday and some special connections with uh, Notre Dame swimmers, talk a little bit about Ryder Cup, and I want to just talk about all that goes in and making a any athletic contest happen, um, just appreciation and perspective. Um, we'll talk about the Memorial St. Vincent de Paul, who's also the uh, patron saint of my parish, um, and a little bit just following up from last week. Um, thoughts on mental health and um, yeah, working um, through grief as we lose people we love. So Haley, um, you were in Chicago. What a great day. It, it, it was awesome. Know, it was awesome. Um, you know, it was a great day for Notre Dame fans. Um, it was just a great family day for me personally. Um, you know, we, we got in Chicago late Friday night. Uh, we met up with uh, our son, James. Saturday morning and some of his friends, they had driven in from South Bend. Um, I think for any of us who have kids in college, it's just fun to see them. Um, you know, we I didn't spend a whole lot of time with him. He didn't sit with us at the football game. They He tailgated with us for a little bit, but then went off with his friends. Um, but boy, those moments where you can just kind of watch and observe um, and just be in their presence, it's you just kind of soak it all in. So we had a great day. There were a number of alumni swimmers who came down. Um, some I swam with, some I didn't. Uh, and it's 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 one of the things I know, and both you and I love about the Notre Dame family. It doesn't matter if you were classmates or not. There's just a connection. So we took a, a really fun picture, I think, of um, Notre Dame swimmer swimming alumni that spanned almost two decades um, of, of people who were there. So that was a fun way to start the day. And then, you know, the game was the game was exciting. It was really close. It was tied going into the fourth quarter. Um, for people who saw the, the final score of the game, 41 to 13, it did not look like a close game, um, but it really was until we got to the that last quarter. And it was during that last quarter that um, I realized that two rows in front of us, and of course, we're jumping around um, at that point, and I used that term specifically, jump around, because that was kind of a, a theme of the game. Yeah, uh, I noticed that. Um, yeah, we'll talk yeah, about that. Name. It was really, okay, it was really neat. That. Yeah, definitely yeah. for sure. But I realized that uh, right in front of us were four current Notre Dame swimmers, and um, I just love that. I love that connection. I love talking to them. Um, it was just again, part of the Notre Dame family. They were excited, you know, to meet a swimming alum. I was excited to meet them. Uh, I knew exactly who they were because I, of course, follow Notre Dame swimming. I think they were glad to know that people actually follow a sport. They said, you know, besides football, kind of like when you went and met with the women's golf team. Mm -hmm. Um, So for me, it was, it was, it was everything I love about Notre Dame. It was Notre Dame family. It was my own family. Um, and of course, the game was pretty exciting. So yeah, just a great day all around. So a couple questions. Um, I, I don't know, like, 
number one, there was a lot of like on sports talk radio, people didn't understand why they would have that game at soldier field when, you know, Wisconsin has a great stadium in Madison. We have a great stadium. Um, my junior year, your senior year, we started our, a game, I mean, Northwestern, we played Northwestern at soldier field and it's super historic and the bears play there. So I kind of get that, but, um, what would you say in response to those sports talk radio people? Yeah, like I saw, I, you know, I, I saw that. I saw, I saw a lot of those comments after the game yesterday. And, you know, it's a, it's a great question and it's a valid question. Um, what I can tell you, or at least from what I know and what I hear, um, the players really love playing in NFL venues. That's a really cool thing for them. Um, so of course we were supposed to play Wisconsin at Lambeau field last year. That's an iconic stadium. Um, you know, a a lot of these players are not going to play in the NFL. Um, so to play in a professional venue is, um, is exciting for them. So I think like everything Notre Dame does, it's about the player experience. It's about the student athlete Mm -hmm. experience. And It is neat, even for you know many of us who are huge college football fans, and and for some who maybe aren't NFL fans, to go to those iconic stadiums. I think many of us were really bummed that the game you know at Lambeau Field last year was canceled. So I think it's about the players. Um, you know, yeah. they get to play in yeah. an NFL stadium, which is something right. that actually not a not a lot of college players get to do. Right. Um, but I hear you know there's something neat about. Yeah. Of course, we love Notre Dame Stadium as well. Yeah. No, that's awesome. And then, you know, I just think red shows up on a screen a little better than green um, because fans were like, there's so much more red, but I don't know. Notre Dame seemed pretty loud, seemed really in. So green doesn't, green looks great, I think. So I love green, um, but here's, you know, and this is is kind of the ongoing issue that I think Notre Dame has. And I love the Irish wear green game that they hosted last week. Um, we don't have a signature color. So yeah. I would say the stadium was was pretty well split 50-50. I, the Irish were really well represented. Um, but when everybody or, you know, let's say 95% of the Wisconsin fans are wearing red and Notre Dame is split between green, blue, white, um, it just, we don't, it doesn't show up as well. Yep. So we showed yeah. up in numbers and we showed up, I believe, in um, you know, volume, but we just, yeah. we just don't show up on TV as well in color. Um, but you know, I will, one of the neat things for me going back to this, the, you know, the whole jump around thing, um, you know, we, one of the things we love about Notre Dame are the, is, are the traditions and the history. And it's really fun as a college football fan to see those traditions at other schools. Uh, it made me a little nervous. Uh, so between the third and the fourth quarter, I don't know if they showed it on TV, uh, if you can find it on social media, it's pretty cool to watch. Um, the Wisconsin band plays the song Jump Around. And I i think that's the name of the song. I don't know. But I think everybody knows what it is. Right. And it came out while we were students. The yeah. entire section, the, half of the stadium, uh, everybody wearing red was jumping mm. around. And cool. it's it was really cool to see. Yeah. Um, you know, of course, we do the the is it the 1812 yeah overture yep yes Mm -hmm. um which is neat you know that's kind of our tradition i will say the bk the Mm -hmm. uh right the the jump around is is really really pumps you up and so for a lot of notre dame fans it made us pretty nervous 
Um, you know, it was, a t again, tie game going into the fourth quarter. Wisconsin was driving. They were down, I think, in the red zone, you know, potentially getting ready to score. That jump around pumped them up, I think. Um, it, yeah. it was it was it made an impact now you know fortunately they just got a field goal and we ran the kickoff back and you know it pretty much we did our own jumping around as we said uh during the yeah. fourth quarter but again as a college football fan just fun to yeah. see that um sure. and fun to be a part of it yeah. and then of course fun to win yeah um yeah it's house of pain it's the band but yeah it was fun it was fun to see you know quote unquote notre dame celebrities so i um i have to say i envy him um so First of all, my boss is from Chicago and uh, Notre Dame alum, and he was like, yeah, at one point I was going to try to go home this weekend back home because then I could watch Ryder Cup and catch the Notre Dame game. And it seems that Pat Connaughton was able to do both of those mm -hmm. because uh, Ryder Cup's taking place in Whistling Straits, which is Kohler, Wisconsin, which is a very drivable distance. So um, I have to say uh, it was hard to watch both and I was watching more golf than than football but then you know the game got really good and exciting so you know you can lean that way and, and golf was going all day um, because it's a little confusing for people who maybe don't necessarily watch regular you know golf regularly it's a special format for Ryder Cup USA versus Europe and you have four ball in play and then you have foursomes and then you have like one-to-one. -one. So you might be thinking, I just saw Jordan Spieth this morning and he's playing this afternoon. And you know, there's different things that go on, but it's so emotional. It's so exciting. A friend of mine who said he's been to every major sporting event says the Ryder cup is the most like exciting thing he's been to. I don't know about that. Cause I don't personally find golf is not a great spectator sport you know with football or baseball you can see the action unfold and the plays like with golf it's just hard you know to to get a full sense of everything going on but you definitely feel it because of the the sound and the roars of the crowd and there's a lot of drama because um you know the way that you have to play and then um, when you get towards the hole you can you can concede the hole you can give the hole to a player um, knowing that they'll make the putt or uh, whatnot. So, yeah, yesterday there was <laughs> this antic. Bryson DeChambeau was not given the putt. He makes the putt. He lays down his putter to show the distance and then, like, walks away, you know? And, like, stuff like that is so hilarious. And people who might not get it are, like, offended. But at the same time, like, that happened to me in a tournament and the woman didn't give me the putt. And then she's from like, you know, a communist country. So I'm like thinking to myself, you know, we would joke among us, like our, my teammates were like, well, it's cause she's from a communist country. She doesn't give away anything. And then <laughs> psychologically, when you make the putt, it's such like a, you know, reaffirming like moment. So all of those emotions and a sport there, you're supposed to be very controlled. It's very different cause you're allowed to be loud and kind of showy and you're kind of expected to be that way so seems like a good weekend in the midwest overall um and the weather looked great too I have to oh say. the weather was perfect um yeah, yeah just one of those 60 degree blue sky fall. sunny days Truly yeah. fall right we started fall, fall. yeah right yeah. right right yeah so great day for football great day for golf that's um, awesome I, I, one of these days, one of these years, and you know, I will try my best to get hooked on golf. <laughs> I can't that's imagine a, I would ever show. watch a golf match on TV over a yeah. football game. Um, so I love, I really do love and admire your passion for that. Um, yeah. There's yeah. nothing better so than a Friday passionate night, sports fan. You know, 
you kind of wonder, I mean, on the collegiate level, all that goes on, or professional level, all that goes on to make a game happen. But um, on Friday night, we call it Friday Night Lights at St. Francis. We hosted um, another home game. We played St. Ignatius, where I used to work. So my job was to work the St. Ignatius sideline, oh which my boss was joking, like, I, that's like not work at all. It's probably like the best job. Um, but, you know, and it was great. It was a great game. I wished, um, so St. Francis won 33 nothing, and I wish they had just, I wish for St. Ignatius, you know, that they would have had some points on the board. Just, you know, it, it is affirming um, just to answer, right, the scores. But um, we had to take everything down. And, you know, once again, I was just, I know this, we all know this because I've, I've done this, but I, I don't think I've actually worked a football game toward the very end. Usually I go home at some point. All that goes on to make a high school football game happen. I mean, we're talking everything from the pylons to like removing those things to the padding on the, um, you know, um, the uprights, so to speak, everything that you put up, take down, it's it's incredible. It is really a lot. And, um, you know, that doesn't happen without people working hard and doing what they need to do. So I guess I'd just like for all anyone, myself included, you know, athletes, parents, coaches, just to think about in gratitude for the people who make all of our games really go. Um, it is it takes a small army. It really does. So I was just kind of humbled by that. And um, afterwards, I was able the, the boys from St. Ignatius were eating, you know, in the back. And it's kind of cool. They all change into the same sweatsuit. It looks really good. They come in with ties on and like button down shirts and a varsity jacket. And our boys at St. Francis wear their jerseys in class. But at St. Ignatius, they would wear ties. And I just think that's really I think both are, you know, fun or special. But um, afterwards, the coach, um, I've known him for a long time. I coached with his wife. And uh, I just, you know, it's hard. It's hard to take that beating. And I just, like, wanted to give him a fist pump. And he's like, no way. And, and he, like, gave me a hug. Yeah. And it was so nice because, you know, that it means a lot. It means a lot when yeah, I know what it's like to just lose and, and struggle. Um, and, uh, yeah. And he's like, he's like, reach out to Liz, which, of course, I will. I love his wife. She's a great coach. They're a really special family. So. Yeah. What a neat game for you. Um, you know, what a what a. I don't want to say a hard game, but, um, you know, when you, when there's meaning on both sides of the teams, yeah. you know, of course you, of course you want St. Francis to win. That's where your current place, but you don't want St. Ignatius to lose. Yeah. Um, it's a little bit how I feel about, you know, the Navy Notre Dame games, you know, I don't, sure. I don't ever want Navy to lose, but I always want Notre Dame to win. Um, <laughs> but you know, you make a really good point. Um, you know, so many of us love sports, whether we're watching our kids play, even, you know, a, like a rec soccer league that takes place every Saturday morning across, you know, the United States on many different fields, um, or whether it's high school or club games or, you know, even at the collegiate level, thinking of the Shamrock series. Um, you know, there's a woman in the athletic department who I know who, you know, her one of her jobs is to put that on. And, you know, all of the theming and all of the logistics, um, you know, going back to our question, why why play at a NFL stadium when we have iconic college stadiums? Well, th that's a great question because it's a lot more work to sure. put on an right. event somewhere else than not at home. Right. So that that's something that is really a great point for us to think about and remember whatever level of sports we're watching. Um, we love watching sports, but 
they, it, that doesn't happen without an army of people. And, you know, in a world where so many jobs are taken over by computers and can be done, you know, without human manpower, some of the things we love the most only take place because of, of human manpower. So um, that's something for us to remember and I think be really grateful for as well. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, one right. of the last things we did, Haley, was turn off the lights, yeah. you know, and I have to, I have to learn, you know, my job where, where that is, it's in a special room, like, they're not just right there where you want them, right? Like somebody turns them on and somebody turns them off. Right. And, um, you know, great point with automation too. I mean, it kind of comes full circle with Ryder Cup because it's Kohler, Wisconsin. And one of the great things when I went there is we got to see the factory and we saw like the robotics mm -hmm. piece of it. And then, you know, it still needs human beings to oversee some of the robotics, but it's pretty humbling to see a bathtub like connected to a conveyor belt, like hanging above you and being moved, you know, like men in particular used to carry that. You know, and like the right. guy who gave us the tour was quote unquote a grinder. And it's like this um, instrument that uses sand and water to like make, you know, the ceramic for your toilet or your, you know, bathtub smooth. And that was somebody's job for years right. and how hard they worked. And now it's been outsourced, which, you know, allows human beings to do other things. But um, yes, absolutely. There, somebody still has to turn the lights on and off. <laughs> the conveyor belt on and off well and i'm sure those players were very grateful that you were there to do that um and if not i'll well, remind them yeah. I, I don't know that they i don't know that i would have been i mean honestly no i, I all the I years i yeah, yeah all the sporting right. events i've been to you're right it's um yeah we don't always think about that somebody's putting the chlorine in the pool haley somebody, somebody is putting right? the and they're testing the it right yeah. <laughs> ph balance yeah so moving on to our um, spiritual stew this week, um, it's interesting. Mine comes from a gospel, um, and you know, we, I, I've, I've diverted a little bit from true gospel readings, even though our <laughs> spiritual stew technically, or you know, is always coming from the gospel. But I noticed that tomorrow is the memorial of Saint Vincent de Paul, and of course, I think that's a name that a lot of people know, whether they are Catholic or not, probably whether they're even Christian or not. Um, I, or I think St. Vincent de Paul is, is just a name that's kind of made itself mainstream, um, which I love. Uh, I, you know, but even myself had to, um, you know, kind of do a little reading and investigating and educating myself about who he was, um, even though I'm pretty familiar, as many people are, with just his name. But the, the gospel for tomorrow, which is, which is his memorial, which is different than his feast day. Um, so I had to read about okay. the difference of that. But the, the gospel tomorrow just brought up something um, that kind of made me laugh. It's, it's kind of a universal theme, but the, it starts off and it's just this first, the first sentence of it is, and I can post, you know, the gospel, it's Luke 9, uh, 46 to 50. But it starts off that says, an argument arose among the disciples about which of them was the greatest. And I just, it made me laugh. Who of us that either has multiple children or has siblings has not ever had that conversation? Who's the best? Who do, who do mom and dad like the most? Who's mom's favorite? Who's dad's favorite? And it's, it's kind of a silly argument, so to speak, a kind of a funny discussion. Um, so the fact that the, the or excuse me, the disciples had that same 
kind of mm-hmm. thought and discussion mm. really made me this is laugh this is a universal topic who's the best who's the greatest who does jesus like the most right who does mom and dad like the most well of course mom and dad don't love any children more than the other um you know do do my mom and i have similar interests that perhaps we share more common interests in yes maybe do my father and my brother have a special connection because it's father and son absolutely you know do my mom and my sister both have a love of the beach you know that connects them in in a in a different way of course do they love any of us differently or more no so i just i thought i thought it was kind of interesting that the disciples had this own discussion amongst themselves, right? And and it also speaks to, I think, um, you know, a theme that has become more of a common term lately, but just that sense of belonging. And, you know, that that takes that that can mean different things to different people. But really what I think it's saying is, you know, how do we belong? How are we cared for? How do we fit into this group? Um, because we want to. And I think you know, it goes back to, you know, a common theme. We certainly talked about it last week. And, you know, it's it's a big thing for me as well. But that sense of community, you know, mm-hmm. who are we in a part of community? How do we, you know, how, how do we belong to different communities? What does that mean to, to have that sense of belonging? So I'd like to think that, you know, when we're all talking about who does mom and dad like more, who's the favorite, you know, as the as the disciples are talking with Jesus or just talking amongst themselves, arguing amongst themselves, you know, arguing is is the word that's used. Um, really, they just they wanted to belong. They wanted to be part of something. And I think that's something that we all strive to do is is to be part of something bigger than ourselves, to create that sense of belonging. Um, you know, maybe we don't need to be the, the greatest disciple um, or the favorite of the child, but we do just want to be a part of it. Um, so I'm not necessarily sure how that factors into, um, you know, the memorial of St. Vincent de Paul, but he was such, you know, he's really, his name is synonymous with charity. You know, there are so many, you know, the yeah. Society of St. Vincent de Paul and and of giving and of selflessness and of creating a community for people who might not have one otherwise. Um, and I think that's, that was really where I read into, you know, how it takes place. I'm not sure. I think one of the things that my takeaways is to, um, to look and see, you know, with tomorrow being the Memorial of St. Vincent de Paul, are there specific biblical readings that go with that day? Or is it just kind of happenstance that it follows along the, you know, the liturgical calendar. So I'm going to do a little diving into that. I don't know the answer, um, yeah. but I thought it was interesting that yeah. um, that sense of belonging, um, you know, really crosses over from the disciples into, um, you know, St. Vincent de Paul and his great works of charity. Yeah. Um, well, I think it's appropriate because you said that this year you want to spend more time with the saints. So it's, uh, here's some evidence of that. Well yeah. done. That continued, right? Kind of personal goal. Um, I didn't. I I guess I had a lot of feast days. I mean, for many saints, their feast day is their death date or their birth date. So that'd be. I don't. I don't know. That's interesting, Haley, about the memorial versus feast day. I mean, obviously, this must have been the day he died. That's why there's the memorial piece, right? So he he actually died on September 23rd. Um, okay. Because I looked that up too. So it yeah. must. But. So I, I probably need to do a little more investigating yeah. in that, but it, yeah, it's not as, it is not his, his feast day. It is his Memorial day. So, yeah. you know, again, yeah. so much more for me to learn. Right. Um, 
fun fact about September 23rd is that it's Bruce Springsteen's birthday. And that's a big day <laughs> <laughs> because he's the boss. And one day I walked into class and I said to my colleague, it's the boss's birthday. And he's like, oh, wow. And I was like, so excited. And I'm like, he's 60 years old. And he's like, no, he's 40. And I was like, no, haha. Like he's acting like he's 40. He has so much energy as a rock star. And we realized we were talking about two different people. He's ah. like, oh, you mean the boss, the principal. So Patrick Ruff, who's one of my favorite people. So I always, I don't, I don't know about our listeners or you, but I'm not great with birthdays, but that birthday I always get because like, ah. I just, for some reason, 923 sticks out in my mind, but um, that's interesting. Another great person, same Vincent Duvall. <laughs> Patrick Ruff, I think is, is a pretty holy person. Um, so I'll include him in there, but um, it was really special. So that's my parish. And um, we mentioned it at mass this morning that it's his memorial, the, the past or the priest, um, the presider. My roommate got married there and her uh, husband is from France. And so, and he's Jewish. So I don't know what that was like for his family to have gone through this, you know, Catholic ceremony, but the priest, like, of course, being kind of a bridge um, noted that, St. Vincent de Paul was from France mm -hmm. and and mentioned that to Giles is, and I, I say it with American Jules or Giles, his French, his family who came in from France. So just trying to, again, make those social connections and they knew who he was um, to your point, like people beyond, right. Just I mean, everyday people kind of know who he is, but um, right. it's funny because in John's gospel, he, he declares himself, the favorite, the beloved. So we have yeah. that going on and there's always that person in a family or group, but you know, in a way it's kind of like the no win question. Like, I mean, it is so human to want to know who's the greatest, right? But right. It's like, okay, well, what if somebody is the greatest? Okay. Like, where do we go with that? Um, <laughs> but it's funny because this week for prayer, in leading prayer, um, I asked my students, who is the goat? And I said, this is so common in sports, but I want you to think of a spiritual goat. So that was our kind of uh, journal question. And then, you know, what's your criteria and why? And then um, when I was in Spain on this pilgrimage, the Jesuit priest who led it was trying to convince us why Ignatius of Loyola was the goat. And I said, with all due respect, Padre, like, it's actually not even a question. Like, it's Our Lady. She is the goat. And I said, you know what, Ignatius would agree. He loved Mary. So I just taught, like, it's fun to teach, like, some, like, historical facts about Mary, you know, in addition, just kind of like her spiritual side, mm -hmm. but like, you know, that she was Palestinian, that she was a devout Jew. Um, you know, she was probably 14. She had family, like we know that through the gospel. Her cousin Elizabeth in the hill country. You know, John the Baptist was her cousin's child. Um, Joseph was probably a widower, like she married somebody older. She could have been stoned because she was with child without being pregnant, you know? And I show kind of a realistic picture of what Mary of Nazareth, if it's Jesus and now there's like what she would have looked like and then I talk about her spiritual greatness you know saying yes um enduring misunderstandings um just to even be at the foot of the cross or to see your child on the way to their death right oh, that gosh, yes there, right like yeah her strength and how so many mothers 
would do that as well, yeah. right? And just the strength of women, um, she models that for us. And she's the original, you know, disciple. She is, she's number one. So um, in the... <laughs> In the goatness, is that a word? In the greatest of all timeness, I mean, we can put that one to bed. So but. I I love that, and um, you know I love my job that I do right now uh, at St. Anne's. But at some point, I have got to teach a class yeah. called Sports and Spirituality, and yeah. I'm going to pick your brain on it because what a great yeah. exercise to talk about, you know, to have to write about. Right. Um, you know, the goat of spirituality. I was, I, I chuckled a little bit when you mentioned that John wrote that he thought he was the greatest um, because of course our understanding, my understanding is that he wrote his gospel, you know, years after the other three gospels. So easy for him to say that when perhaps the rest of them aren't around or aren't alive, yeah. um, which is yeah. so typical of humans to do, right? I'm the greatest because yeah. no one's around to dispute that. Um, but of course, we also know from the Bible that, um, you know, in referring to who Jesus loved the most, it's it's also, you know, Mary Magdalene. So um, kind of a fun question to debate, right. but um, I, I would agree with you. I think of Mary all the time and and who she was and what she gave of herself um, and, and her beliefs. But yeah, kind of a kind of a fun discussion. Right. So people can chew on that this week. Yeah. Maybe if they have an, another choice for their spiritual goat. Yeah. I, Mary, you know. So um, we'll give Mary her, number one. And, you know, and yeah. then it's all silly. You know, who who are we ranking? Um, but right. I think. And that's the point, right? Yes, like, yeah. Yes. Okay. So say, say, you know, Matthias is the goat, you know, like what? Okay. What did we do with that? You know? So. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, a fun thing to talk about and think about. And I think any time, again, that we can bring our um, our faith into kind of the mainstream world and make it applicable to young people or sports fans, um, I think that's just a great um, outreach that uh, is important for all of us to just live our faith in, in a mainstream world. And, and certainly St. Vincent de Paul was able to do that, right? Whether it was whether it was him or his legacy, for sure. Um, he has carried that out in a way that has served millions of people and um, in, in, a, in a very charitable way. So we will pray for all of those, pray for, you know, yeah. in the, for the memorial of St. Vincent de Paul this week. I, I would like to also continue to pray for those who are, not, not only those who are struggling from mental health issues, but also for a greater awareness and understanding and education of mental health. I just, I think... Um, you know, more and more we're hearing about uh, those struggles and, and there is a greater understanding, but there's so much more work to be done. Um, so I hope we can continue to, to help those who are, who are struggling with, with mental health and also just create that greater understanding. And um, as we move forward this week, we will, of course, I'll keep all of our listeners in our prayers as well. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think my takeaway, um, just in light of St. Vincent de Paul, and like you said, the emphasis on charity, it, it made me think like last week I was with a friend and um, he gave this organization, we were at a walk and he, um, they uh, help people with um, physical disabilities um, and like specifically Down syndrome, they employ them. Mm. And he gave the woman $50 and I may have talked about this, but like the woman appreciated it so much. And then I actually, when we were coaching this week, I, I said, I just, that was such a great moment to see how much she appreciated it when charity when charity is given it is like i keep thinking this word sweet and i don't like the word sweet like when, when someone's described as sweet but like meaning it's just it's such a 
tender, right? And appreciated moment. So I told him that and he's like, she actually wrote me a thank you note. Aww. And I was like, of course she did. Because of course she did. She was so appreciative in the moment and she followed up with it. So real charity when we extend it to others, um, whether or not, you know, it's it's just, it's sweet. It is really a wonderful thing to witness, but also to obviously extend. So um, I'll look to St. Vincent de Paul's example for that. And, you know, he at our parish, the St. Vincent de Paul program gives fresh fruits and vegetables to um, families. Um, and that's, you know, so important for health and well-being. So I love that program. But I'll just try to think about ways that I can extend charity this week to anyone in need. Yeah, and charity and, yeah. and charity that is, um, you know, without expectation, right? To just right. give right. freely and, and truly of our hearts. Um, yep. You know, without expecting that thank you note, um, even as much as that thank you note is appreciated. Um, and, you know, I'm a big proponent I was of thank you notes. I really am. But I also know that, you know, giving freely, true charity means giving 100% with zero expectation of return. And that's not always easy for some people. Um, so to keep that in mind as we move forward through the week as well. Okay. So. All right. Well, we have our task. We so do. Thank you for us. We will keep yeah. our fingers crossed for the United States and the Ryder Cup. And um, yeah, yeah, and, get it done. And USA. we will also USA. keep. Yep, yeah. And we'll also keep in mind. Yeah. As I attend, even the water polo matches this week. Uh, all those yeah. and and what it takes to. Right. Right. Exactly. To put you those games it. together. And today's um, flag football game. It's, or not flag? It's not flag. Oh no! It? It's full on tackle. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> All right, Anne. Have a great week. You too, Haley.